This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Hey, I have 14-week half marathon training plans and 18-week marathon training plans on my website, lindsayhine.com. There is a beginner, beginner intermediate, intermediate, and advanced half marathon plan. So you've got four options. And then for the marathon, we have beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to lindsayhine.com, it'll tell you what mileage you need to be at before you get started on these training plans. They are very detailed and comprehensive. There are videos with pre-run and post-run strength and stretching routines, as well as a strength routine I recommend you do twice a week. It's the bare minimum that I think everybody should do. And then each plan also has a pace chart so that if you have a goal time, say your goal time is to break four hours in the marathon, it will give you paces for what you should be hitting your tempo runs and mile repeats and easy runs and marathon pace runs at. I always tell people though, run those based on effort. Don't try to be glued to a pace. Run based on effort and you will eventually get to that goal. Uh, you can grab a plan at lindsayhine.com. The half marathon plans are $35. The marathon plans are $45. And I believe they're worth every penny. Go check them out. All right, listen, today you're listening to episode 355, and my guest is Shari Hawkins. She is a heptathlete. Really excited to have an athlete that is a runner in the world of track and field, but doing all kinds of other events as well. The heptathlete has seven events in their competition. Hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200 meter run, long jump, javelin, and 800 meters. You end everything with the 800, which is just crazy. Uh, Shari explains all of that to us in this conversation and how she got into the heptathlon. She went to Utah State University. She's a two-time USA bronze medalist. She competed in Doha in 2019 for Team USA. And she has a lot of things to say about mental health and anxiety and how she has worked really hard to overcome race day anxiety, race week anxiety. In fact, you're going to hear all about it in this episode. Uh, If you're not already following her, she has like a crazy amount of followers on Instagram, underscore Shari, C-H-A-R-I Hawkins over there. She talks a little bit about how she grew her social media as well and why that was so important to her as an athlete in the heptathlon with sponsorships and whatnot. All right, friends, thanks for being here. Leave us a quick rating and review. We are giving away a pair of Gooder sunglasses, one pair per month for all the new ratings and reviews each month. So at the end of January, we will look at all of those ratings and reviews and pick a winner. If you leave us one, send my production assistant, Emma, emma at sandyboyproductions.com, a quick email and let us know you left a review. Take a screenshot and just send it to her and we will make sure we get you entered to win. Um, All right, friends, this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. We'd love it if you checked out our other shows. We have a brand new website, sandyboyproductions.com. Go check it out. Okay. Enjoy my conversation with Shari Hawkins. Uh, All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Shari Hawkins on the show. Welcome to the show, Shari. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. It's going to be really fun. I am so excited as well. We are interviewing our first heptathlete on the podcast. I'm so excited to learn more about track and field. So thanks for being the first one. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's actually really funny because I'm listening to my voice right now as I talk and it's like a little hoarse. It kind of almost looks like I'm sick, but actually just the last two days have been wild. I think it was a six hour day and an eight hour day on the track and so so chaotic in the sun all day which you love it um but today Wednesdays are my day off so Mondays and Tuesdays I go really hard in the paint today's Wednesday so um I have my my off day and uh, I'm like listening to my voice as I talk to you and I'm like oh you sound like you need to go stop smoking a pack a day (laughs) go drink some hot tea it's been all the workouts so it's been it's uh it's good 
Um, okay, I know that you went to Utah State, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still do you live in Utah though? No, I live in San Diego. So, yeah. So just with, I mean, obviously with track and field, like the warm weather training is essential. And then my coach is actually the head coach at San Diego State University. Her name's Sheila Burrell, and she's a two-time Olympic heptathlete. So she is like, uh, she's incredible. And I'm so lucky to have her as my coach for sure. Oh, that's so awesome. I was going to ask you about her. How'd you find her as a coach and how did that relationship develop? So there's actually like a lot of drama. Like it's so interesting, <laughs> like, um, track and field is so funny because it seems like such a straight up sport, but there really is like so much drama. And I think like that's, you know, I think that's a story for like a memoir in the future, but, um, dramatic events occurred and I was left without a coach already moving to San Diego. And, um, I went to the, where was it? It was in Canada uh, the Pan American Cup, which is like the Canadian Championships, um, to represent Team USA there. And while I was there, they they will bring Team USA coaches that kind of just like help guide you, even though you know they're not really your coach. They just help guide mm-hmm. and all that. And I became friends with one of them named Gwen, and she was like the coolest girl. But she went to college with Sheila Burrell, and she said, "You know what?" Um, I told her my story. This is what happened. I no longer have a coach to train with, and she said you know who I think you need to train with who would just do wonders for you is Sheila Brell. She's absolutely phenomenal. And I was like, yes, please. Because Utah State and San Diego State are in the same conference. So I've always heard of her before, but she is the most intimidating human being in the entire world. Like not in real life. When you get to know her, she's the most She's that person, you know how there's always the person that's so cool that you just hope they like you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you hope they you're cool because they're cool. <laughs> that's who she is. She's just so chill, so cool, so kind, such a good person, but she's really intense at meets. Like she's very like down to business. I mean, she's a two-time Olympian and you know, it, it, it's intimidating, especially to just, you know, college athletes. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like I've always been so scared of her. She's going to be so mean. I got on the phone with her to talk to her and she was just like, Oh my gosh, like, Hey, how are you? Just like a regular person. I was like, Oh, like, yeah. And, uh, she said, I'd love to have you come out and would you be okay? I know you're already in San Diego. Like if we just did a, you know, like a little week trial, how, how does that sound to you? And she was like, and I was like, Oh yeah. And I got there. She's just, she's taught me so much. I, I've already been in the game at this point, like 12, 10, 10 to 12 years at this point in the track and field world. And we're talking like since I was in, you know, high school, junior high, all that. But she taught me more in these last like, you know, three or four years that we've been together than anyone I've ever taught. And this podcast isn't about her. And I know that, but I'm just obsessed with her. So I went on a tangent. I love that you talk about her so much. I I love hearing about people's coaches and their relationship and how that came about. So thank you for sharing that. Um, But tell us about like Utah State. Like when did you first start doing actual heptathlon? At Utah State. So when I, I'm born and raised in Rexburg, Idaho, and it's a smaller state when it comes to the track and field world. And so it's not quite as competitive. So I did win state in three different events in the hurdles, the high jump and the long jump. And those are really big events in the heptathlon. So I was recruited for the heptathlon out of high school and I went to Utah state. Wow. Hurdles, long jump and, and high jump Mm -hmm. and high jump. Okay. Tell me what, like, what are you high jumping to win state in Idaho in high school? Um, I think so. I believe that I jumped five, six, Okay. In high school. Um, yes, that's that's it. Yes, I jumped five, six in high school um, to win state. But I've also I won state, I think, three times in high school. And I also I think I won it um, at like five, four or five and five, four one year and like five, three one year. So um, which I know that that's weird. It just kind of depends on when that where they start on to how high you end up going. So it usually goes up by two inches. So if they start at, you know, four, nine, then it's going to be odd numbers if they start at, you know, five, one. But that is definitely so different from even <laughs> now. I look back at even now high school athletes, you know. What are jumping. they doing now? I mean, I there are athletes 
going absolutely insane. They are going, they're jumping 5'10", they're jumping five, six feet, they're jumping 6'2". Um, incredible. And so that was, that is, that is wild. But that's also why I'm not an open high jumper. I'm just a heptathlete because I was not that good, but that's okay. They always say, um, jack of all traits. That's like the, that's the heptathlon saying. Actually, I would say the heptathlon saying is first to go, first to show, last to go. Um, because we're just there all day. Um, <laughs> all the time. Um, okay, so let's let's run down the events for the listeners. We had hurdles, long jump, high jump. I know there's shot put, eight hundred. What am I missing? Javelin. You're missing. You're missing the the two hundred as well. So basically, what it is is there's two. There's seven events over the span of two days. So in day one, we have four events. We go hurdles, high jump, shot put, and we end the day with a two hundred meter run. So that's a really high intensity level day, but it's not anything too insane. It just is really crazy on your nervous system. So you go home and you just try to rest as much as possible. You wake up, you feel like you got hit by a bus because your muscles are just sore and achy and all that good stuff. Um, But then you come back and you start with the long jump, you do the javelin, and then you finish off with the 800 meter run. Man, finishing off with the 800 just seems really intense. That is such a hard event. Yeah, I used to think, I used to wish that um, we started with the 800 because I know people would pace their events a lot smarter if that happened. And that was just the lazy person in me being like, I don't want to give it all I have because the 800 hurts so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now looking back into it, I mean, it is nice to be able to give your whole effort to something. So when it comes down to all the events, you really don't have to feel like you need to hold back to save your energy for the next one. So it is important to end it with the 800 so that you can actually, you know, give your all with it. But I guess 800 is such a nerve wracking event because I always like to say you're basically running until you have the flu. (laughs) So you know you're going to be sick, you know it's going to hurt, and you, but you don't know if you're going to get a good time. <laughs> so you're always like, oh no, it's so nerve-wracking. Um, but it's the, I think the more you do it, the more you accept it, the more you understand it, and the more you start to enjoy it. So it's, a, it's definitely a process. So how have you figured out over the years to pace yourself through the event so that you aren't like giving it every single thing on that third event? You know, my coach, um, Sheila, was a big, huge part of that because she would liken my attitude when she's like, when you are the way that you are, because I am a very hyperactive soul. I'm very like in your face, but like more like in my own face. Like I'm really like up on energy and like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And really high intensity, um, which I love. That's I call it mania. I'm very manic when it comes to, you know, like joy and like expression and excitement. And, but that can be really exhausting in a heptathlon. So my coach likes to have me bring it inside. So she says, take everything that you have and keep it to yourself because all you're doing is you're releasing your energy and you're giving other people energy. Mm -hmm. So bring it to yourself. So that way you can recharge your own battery. And so um, inside I'm super excited. I'm really happy to be there, but it does look like I'm very calm, cool, collected on the outside. And that's mostly because we're trying to not get this roller coaster of emotions because getting insanely intense and ready for an event, um, and then having to drop off and calm down and then get ready and intense for an event and then drop off and calm down. And that really does wreak havoc on your nervous system and your energy system. And so it's really just about trying to stay as level as possible so that you're not wasting any unnecessary energy. Yeah. I mean, that's really great advice for anything you're pursuing athletically. I think, you know, most people listening, I would maybe beg to say that nobody listening is doing the half heptathlon, but (laughs) Like we can really waste a lot of energy before a marathon or a 5k or whatever it is doing that roller coaster. Yeah. I think that it is, it is a really big challenge to get mentally focused and to 
do not not succumb to the roller coaster mentally and that's been something that I have worked on for a long time and I finally I feel like I finally figured out in 2019 um and then I'm on the process of like you know really nailing it down because it doesn't always look like one thing right it's just about having a ton of different tools in your tool belt that you can use when certain things come up where do you like look for those tools like are you reading books are you listening to podcasts like how are you developing that self-growth I think the most wonderful thing about my career is the fact that I've been doing it for so long. And I moved to England for a year and was able to train with some of the best coaches in the world. They gave me, you know, tools there. Um, When I was at Utah State, there were some amazing coaches there that were giving me little tools. Um, My coach now has given me tools. I've worked with many different sports psychologists and each of them have given me tools. I've read books. Um, I've listened to podcasts and just through my own experiences of trying things. It basically just like my entire career is basically one big primary research project Mm. of how to mentally get through. Um, I suffered from insane performance anxiety and I'm talking, you know, I tried to tear my own Achilles before one of my competitions as I tried it with my whole heart and, uh, jumped up and down on it. And, and I finally like woke up from it. Like, cause I was in like this anxiety induced days where I was really having a panic attack. And I was like, dude, you need to chill because a torn Achilles is no joke. Like, what are you doing? Um, and it was like, okay, low point. Like I had to just like kind of, you know, snap out of it. But in the heptathlon, I would get so nervous that for my entire career until 2019, I had a panic attack every single competition and would panic. Not, I wouldn't say a full panic attack, but panic up to the entire week up to the competition. I was just sick to my stomach. I do not know how I still continue to compete. Um, I think it was just because I was so interested in how am I going to freaking figure this out? Like I can do it. I know I can do it. And you know, trial and error, learning from coaches, from sports psychologists, from mental trainers, from self-help, X, Y, and Z. Like, I've definitely um, learned a lot of things. Um, wow, that is so, so wild. Like, that you were experiencing that extreme anxiety and competing at those very high levels. Did Was there, like, a certain therapist that, like, walked you off the cliff of, like, you can't continue to live like this every single time you have a competition? Um, I was the therapist <laughs> that did that because um, in 20, so in 2019 indoor championships, um, I was in a midst of a full blown panic attack. And there was, I remember there were people that were like coming up to me being like, are you okay? And it was so embarrassing because I was not okay, but I was like, oh yeah, like I'm good. I'm good. And I like couldn't breathe. Like it felt like I was breathing through a straw and I was like, mm-hmm, I'm okay. And I, and it was making me like panic and choke. And I ended up pulling my hamstring just because my body tightened up so much. And it was absolutely such such a nightmare because I had my whole family had flown all the way to New York to be at this competition where I was in like a smooth second place going in going into long jump, which is one of my best events. And then I just had the Andrew left. It wasn't a big deal, but my body just like was not responding and my brain was like a daze and it was just a hot mess nightmare. And when I pulled my hamstring, they were like, you can't, like, we're not letting you run the 800. Like, it's not worth it. Like, get healthy for outdoor. And I was like, okay. And then I was just so, there's something about, it's probably a lot how people feel about marathon um, running. Um, you And if you run a marathon, and I've never run a marathon, so let me not try to sit here and be like, let me teach you how to run a marathon. But if you run a marathon and you finish, even if you didn't really get the time that you wanted, there's still like, you're, you're kind of like, ah, yeah, like maybe I didn't push it this mile or I kind of relaxed it this mile and I could have done better. However, you're still satisfied with the fact that you finished mm-hmm. at the, whereas if you panic in the middle of it and then you stop with, you know, five miles to go, even, even if you stop with 10 miles to go, um, there's something probably, again, I've never run one, but this is how I would liken it. 
I would say that if it were me, like I would just beat myself up. Why wouldn't I finish? Why didn't I finish? Why didn't I finish? That's kind of how not finishing a heptathlon feels. It is, even if you don't do a good job, if you finish, you kind of get over it. But if you don't finish, it kind of eats you away for a long time. And the fact that it wasn't even, I mean, I know I pulled my hamstring, so you had to come out, but I would not have pulled my hamstring if my body wasn't so tight, if I wouldn't have freaked out, stressed out, all that kind of stuff. Like I could have controlled that. So I remember looking my parents in the eye being so devastated and letting them know. I looked them in the eye and I said, look at me. And they looked, looked at me (laughs) that I will never have this happen to me again. I'm going to go home and I'm going to figure this out. And there were a lot of things that I did to be fair, but I think the biggest thing that I did, and I share this a lot on my social media because I think mental health is so, so important. And I was asking myself, why is this happening? And not only was I asking myself, was I was asking every single person I had ever come in contact with, do you ever get anxiety? Why do you get anxiety? Why do you feel this way? Why, 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 why? And somebody one time answered, I don't remember who it was. But I said, do you ever get anxiety? And he, he was like, who was it? But he was like, yes, I get anxiety. And I was like, why? And he said, I think it's because I, I assume that if I'm good at my job, then I'm a, like, I'm, I'm like worthy. And I was, and it was just this like crazy, like, oh my gosh, that's it. I have decided that if I compete well, I am worthy. I'm worthy. And I'm not just talking like I'm worthy as an athlete. No, no, no. Like I didn't just waste my time training for all this time because I did good. So it wasn't a waste of time. I am now a good friend. I'm a good, you know, partner. I'm a good daughter. I'm a good person because I did good. So people are going to want to, people are going to be inspired by me just because I did good. And there's no other thing that I could possibly do that's going to be doing that. And it was just this lightning strike in my head and in my chest. And I said, that is so true. So I went home. I wrote down, if I compete well, um, what does that mean? And then if I compete poorly, um, what does that mean? And I looked through and I really started, you know, like tearing up and going through and just I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I put so much of my value as a human being on my performance. And if your value as a human being is put on your performance, of course you're going to freak out. And because if you don't do well, you literally just may as well just not even go home. You know, you have no right to be alive or right to be a human if you're not competing at your best. And what an insane thought but it was what my subconscious was thinking. So I had to really like, you know, unlearn, do a lot of things that were like, I'm worthy just because I get to be worthy, you know, and I'm a human being. And so I am allowed to be treated humanely. And, um, my goal, my aha biggest breakthrough was I had a heptathlon and I told myself this, it was the biggest heptathlon I'd ever competed in. And I told myself, no matter what happens, I will have fun because I get to enjoy what I, what I'm doing. I, just because I'm a human being, I get to enjoy the, what I'm doing. So no matter what happens. So I, um, in high school, I jumped, you know, about five, six, I think I jumped five, two at this meet. So I, I was like, I haven't done this poorly since actual high school. So it was the worst thing ever. I could, I honest to goodness, couldn't believe it, but I promised myself no matter what, I will smile and I'll have fun even if I don't feel like I'm having fun. So I jumped, I walked over to my parents and I was like, all right, here's your chance to not be upset because if you were, if, if you were going to be on automatic, you would have started sobbing. Right. But I was like, nope, you're not upset. You're excited because you have a lot to learn. So I went to my parents. I was like, well, back to the drawing board, you know what I mean? And I just like laughed and smiled. And like my parents were surrounded by a ton of people because it was at Gotsis, which a lot of people here aren't going to know what that is, but it's a huge competition for the heptathlon and it's in Austria. Oh wow! So we, yeah, we flew all the way to Austria 
and it is a really big deal. So the entire stadium is always completely full of people. So my parents were surrounded by people. And I said that back to the drawing board and everybody just like started laughing and everybody like clapped for me. And I, because it was, um, it was just like a nice, and it like lightened it, it lightened the mood a little bit, I think for everybody. So then I went back to the girls and when somebody does really bad in an event, it's almost like awkward because you don't know how they're going to respond. So you're kind of just like quiet. Mm. So then I like, I went back and I said, I haven't jumped that bad since high school. Isn't that fun? And <laughs> like, maybe we'll just throw like 19 meters further in the shot put and everybody like laughed. And, and then I remember there was, um, a heptathlete who at the time I was just like obsessed with her. I still am. She's so adorable, but I was like, Oh my gosh, shell shocked when I saw her. And she came up to me and she was like, I really like your attitude. Um, And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that was so great. And it brought me up and it made me realize like, wow, your value isn't, she's not talking to you because you just, jumps higher than her right she's talking to you because you acted in a humble like manner and you were positive in a negative circumstance and you had x y and z and my subconscious was like oh okay like okay cool so we moved forward shot put terrible (laughs) absolutely terrible and I did the exact same thing exactly the same thing and then I think the 200 actually went okay but my score was just not great. Not great at the first day two. I said, same thing, no pressure, just having fun. And something happened in day two where like it really clicked and I had a personal best day two, no stress PR in every, almost every event of day two. And it was just like a blast. I had so much, it was by far the most fun I've ever had in heptathlon. And even before the 800, I just was like, no matter what happens, like everything's good and you're great and that's okay. And it was just, sorry, again, I just talked for like 40 minutes. Is the podcast over now? <laughs> Jeez, Louise. You're but, good. You're good. But it, it, that, I mean, that's basically, that's the story of how I overcame my anxiety. I yeah. Mean, we, we just got all the way into it. So yeah, that was it. No, I think that's so great too. And I think that it's like that constant, self-awareness, right? Like, am I, am I dipping back into that? Am I falling back into those patterns and like constantly reminding yourself where you need to go? Hey everybody. Okay. The Donna marathon weekend is coming up. It is so soon. It is in one, two, three weeks. I am so excited to go down to Jacksonville, Florida We do this race every year. We were really sad to miss it the past year. I did the virtual option though, which was also really fun. The Donna Marathon Weekend supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people who are walking through a breast cancer diagnosis, uh, both financially and also emotionally. They have a care line that people can call. Uh, They also fund groundbreaking research, just a wonderful organization. And when you run the race, you are directly supporting the foundation. It is a great time of year to head down to a beautiful destination. The race starts and finishes on the beach. Don't worry, you don't run on the sand though. Um, You guys can use the code Lindsay10 for 10% off any of your registration fees. There's a 5K on Saturday the 5th and a half marathon and a marathon on Sunday the 6th, as well as a kids mile race on, on that Saturday. And they have relay options as well. We are bringing our whole family down there and our kids are going to do the mile. I'm really excited about that. Probably way too excited about it, honestly. Uh, Jacksonville is just amazing. It has 250 days of sunshine a year. And you can learn more about planning your trip for the whole weekend when you go to visitjacksonville.com. They have the largest urban park in the nation with 80,000 acres of parks, including seven state parks, two national parks, a national preserve, and 400 city parks and gardens and an arboretum. This is one of my favorite places to visit. So to learn more about Jacksonville, go to visit jacksonville.com. And to learn more about the Donna Marathon weekend, go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use that code Lindsay10 for 10% off your registration. Uh, Also, one more thing, we are having a meetup on that Saturday. So for anybody coming, I have to get the detail of where exactly the meetup is going to be. 
uh, figured out, but that will be posted on my social media. My Instagram's lindsayhine626, as well as our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast. If you aren't already in that group, go join it. Okay. This is officially the longest break ever. Thank you for listening. Come run with us in Jacksonville and enjoy the rest of my conversation with Shari Hawkins. Tell us about the world championships, because when you mentioned the biggest race, I thought, oh, she's surely going to talk about when she went to Doha and was on the world championship team. But clearly this other heptathlon race is a big deal, too. Yeah, so this Gotsis meet was actually before World Championships. So I hadn't at this point it was the it was the best the biggest meet I've ever been to okay. because I hadn't been to Worlds yet. I hadn't qualified yet. So uh, then I had USA's. I took bronze at USA's, and so I qualified for World Championships. And five days before um, World Championships, honestly, I have never, I had never been so locked in physically or mentally. I I really thought I was going to come home with a medal at world championships because we had so long. I think we had something like 10 weeks to prepare for world championships. It was like crazy. So I had like almost two full training cycles to really train. And I was so locked in. Um, and five days before the competition, I shattered my ankle. Oh, good Lord. Um, but I was so locked in mentally that I, my coach did not think I was going to be going like I, my ankle was the size of a softball and I could not even walk, but I was, I told her, I was like, Oh, I'm fine. Like I'm, I promise like, look, I'm fine. And she was like, all right. Like, and it was, I was like, I'm not going to miss my first chance to go to world championships. There's a zero, this leg could be literally broken and I would go. (laughs) So absolutely not. We're going. And, um, I, I got in, honestly, I, I was invited 24th out of um, 24. So it was a, it was like a very, uh, by the skin of our teeth. Uh-huh. Type. And so I was like, yeah, like, I'm not missing this opportunity. Like, absolutely not. And I go and honestly, I, I, my brain was just so locked in. And so, Hey, you have nothing to lose here because your ankle's broken, but I'm <laughs> not tell one person my ankle was broken because I, my goal was, I was in my mind, I was like, I'm already doing so good. Like I can still, I could still medal. And then, and then if I could tell people after the fact, like, and I did not broken ankle. <laughs> but I was, that was like my goal. Over yeah. So I was like in my mind, so focused. And I ended up actually doing pretty decent um, consider, considering um, I ended up, I went in 24th, I came out 12th. Um, to be honest, my day two was a little, uh, um, but, uh, it was so fun. Like I really, really, it was, it was a blast. It made me realize like, oh, like you, you belong here. Like, you know, like you deserve to be here. You can do it. So it was a really fun experience and, um, and I, I liked it and it was, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, do you think everybody has that like moment where they realize they belong, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think having imposter syndrome is hard. Yeah. I, I had it, um, because I got invited, you know, 24th. And so there was this vibe of, oh, like, I'm just going to be, I, I really don't want to be like the person that nobody remembers because they just didn't even make, like, they don't show them. They don't like, because like nobody cares about them because like, why are you even here? You know what I mean? But, um, that was like the moment where I was like, Oh, okay. Like I can, I can do that. And self, I don't, I hate self doubt. Isn't that just like the worst? worst. I would so much rather have other people doubt me than have myself doubt me. Um, and I hate that things that other people say, even if it's not about you can like create self doubt. Like you have to like actively try to push that out. The worst, seriously, the worst. I, I have never understood people who a feel like they need to knock people off their high horse aren't you so thrilled that somebody's on their high horse yeah like, go and you they, like, love themselves and they're so excited like I just am like oh like how'd you get up there like, a- <laughs> bring me like, with you that is so the vibe and you know what everyone listening like let this be your vibe of 2022 because I I literally have never understood that and I've also never understood wanting to plant a seed of doubt in someone's mind or cause someone shame. Like it doesn't make any sense. 
any self-doubt that you place on other people, you're actually placing on yourself. Mm -hmm. So being able to ask someone how they got on their high horse and want to get there, that's actually your, that's your own self-confidence. That's not even trying to knock them off their high horse. That's, it's like, oh, like you're up there and I don't think I can get up there. So let me do my best to justify not being up there. But instead, like, wouldn't it light you up so much more to be like, okay, like, I can get up there because that's what self-belief is. And it's the same thing with track and field. I mean, people constantly are always like, oh, it's really nice that you have access to like all of these (laughs) facilities and like you have access to this and that and this and that and the best coaches and this and that. And I'm like, I don't think you guys understand that I created every single thing that I have. Um, Funny, this is actually a wonderful story. Um, But my parents are maybe the most supportive people of my life. Um, but they told me straight up when I graduated college, I, we went to Vegas. I think we went to Vegas because I think I was like stressed or something. So they brought me, they took me to Vegas and we like love going to Vegas shows and like all that kind of stuff. It's like so fun for us, me and my mom and my dad. And we were eating and I was letting them know that I was going to train professionally and I was going to move to California and train in Santa Barbara at a uh, I had found a facility that I was going to train at and they were like, no. <laughs> no. And I was like, no. And they were like, Shari, like we, we love you, but like, we can't like, we can't afford to send you there. And like, you don't have a job and you're not going to be able to get a job there because you're going to have to be training. Like you, you can't do that. And I remember being like, what are you saying? Like, you guys love my sports. Like, you guys are like sport fiends, which they so are. I was like, I'm like, I thought you guys were going to be so excited that I was still training. And they were just like, just like, it's time to like, move on. It's time to move on. And I was like, no, it, no, it's not. It's not time to move on. And by then, like, I mean, with social media, I think I had 400 followers on social media. They were like all just like my friends and family. And that was it. Like, it's not like I had like something to fall back on or potential to have to grow. Um, I was going to have to go there and pay to go. So I had to go and pay my way. It's not like I got like this free invitation, like all this kind of stuff. And I got there. I um, got like a job as a nanny, which by the way, if you are a runner right now and you're trying to be a professional runner, nannying is the best job to have because it pays pretty well. Um, it's, it paid all of my bills. And so, yeah, that's a really good option if you are a runner and you're wanting to, you know, get into the job world and get, get some money. That's, that's by far the best one, but I had a job, I had to train and I had to really build myself up like from the ground. So I don't want people to think like, oh, just because, you know, you have this, that's how you can do all of this. It's like, no, understand that everything I have, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over me really building it. When did you first, uh, get sponsorships? So as a heptathlete, it's not as exciting. Um, (laughs) I mean, like you said, like nobody here really knows what the heptathlon was until they met me. Right. Um, and so it's not really something that you're going to get sponsorships from. So I remember in 20, it was 2016, And I was working and I was talking to my then boyfriend, now husband, and I was telling him, you know, um, because he was living in Denver and I was living in Santa Barbara and we were on the phone and I just told him, I was like, you know, I, if I need, if I'm going to get any sort of sponsorships, like I'm going to need to start growing my social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be the only way that I'm going to get sponsored in this, in this world. And the way that my social media started is I started just doing like, you know, video journals where, um, it was easier to do my journal there because our coach wanted us to write journals and it was easier to do that than it was to, um, write an actual journal for me. So I'd put the video and then I would say today's cue was this. It really helped me. And those videos just started doing really, really well. And my videos started, I mean, my, um, it was like right where Instagram went from putting, um, likes from videos to views like they made them like this Mm -hmm. is how many people you can see that viewed your videos and 
I only had maybe 700 followers at this time. I had like slowly started growing my following and I only had like 700 followers at this time, but I was noticing that all, like my photos would, would get, you know, like a hundred likes, but then my videos would mm-hmm. get like 6,000, um, views. And I was like, I don't have 6,000 followers. So I was like noticing my videos were getting exposed a lot more. So I started, you know, posting more videos and posting more videos and it started really happening, happening for me. And then the first thing that helped me was at the Olympic trials. I, I hit my own head with the javelin. Um, and the javelin like went and like, it went super viral. Um, and (laughs) It went viral in a bad way. <laughs> it was oh, it wasn't the best. Um, there was a video that post reposted it, and it said said it was like there were actually so many articles that came out, and it was like when the javelin flies nicely, it's like poetry emotion. When something goes wrong, dogs breakfast. <laughs> I was like, geez. And then there were there was a video that posted about it and was just like when javelin goes wrong and everybody below it was just like, what a waste of talent. Like this girl is so uncoordinated, <sighs> like, oh, my choked at the Olympic trials. That sucks. Like all this stuff. But what I decided to do is instead of like going back and being like, hey, like you are you're stupid. Um, <laughs> I, I, I decided to agree with all of them. I was like, I know. Let's find her and send her on fire. <laughs> but I was clearly tagged in the video, so it was obviously me. And so then, like, b- after that, like, everybody would respond and just be like, oh, my gosh, you're so, like, that is so funny. Like, da-da-da-da. And then, like, my following, I think I ended up going from, like, 700 to, like, you know, 2,000, which not a ton. But, like, I think, like, back then it was like, oh, wow, like, I really grew. And I made my first, um, in the heptathlon, you can make teams a couple different ways. You can make teams going to world championships and then you can make teams, um, going to like other sort of like the Thorpe cup or the Pan Am cup, like that kind of stuff, like cup games. And, uh, so I made my first Thorpe cup team. So I posted a picture of me going like this in my team USA outfit. And if you're listening and not watching, this means I'm putting my hands on my hips um, and just like looking into the camera, like all intense. And I posted it right. I was like, Oh, I'll post this before. And I'll be like taking off for, from, for Germany, like see you soon, Germany, kind of a thing. First team USA. And I was like, first team. Blah, blah, blah. And I landed. And at that time, my pictures, like the most my pictures had ever gotten in terms of likes was maybe like on a really good day, like 500 and or like 600 and I was like whoa 600 likes you know and I landed and I just like pulled up my social media and it was like going wild and that that photo had over 10,000 likes and I had gotten over 10,000 followers I went did somebody big share it or what happened it just um that was like when the explore page was there and so it had just gotten put on the Uh explore page and just blown up like it was just the most random I could not believe it so um that actually happened like a couple times where like I post a picture and it would just blow up and I post a picture blow up and so I ended up getting like you know a tiny little little following that really got my foot a little bit in the door um but really what people loved were those video those video logs that I continued to do so it was really fun I love that. That's so good. What does your husband think of all this? Like, what is his, what are his thoughts on your social media stuff? Because if you guys are listening, you don't follow Shari. She's got like 360,000 followers or something like that. Um, you know, it's so crazy because he was the person that I first called and said, if I need to get, if I want to get sponsored, mm-hmm. I need to grow my social media. And, um, something about him is he has his, um, he is a double bachelor in, business and one in marketing. And then he also has his master's, um, in marketing and business. So he is a really smart person when it comes to marketing. And so, I mean, he's been really instrumental in helping me grow a lot. You know, he's been like, you know, 
make sure that you're hash- using all these hashtags like blah, 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 when when it was like back in the day and now it's just like he'll be like okay we need to go get more content so I mean I won't say he's my social media manager but like at the same time he kind of is so he's on board for sure All right, friends, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this podcast. I want to let you know their Neurofi Plus protein powder is my go-to protein supplement. I drink it every day. We make smoothies with it, with our kids. It's delicious. It is plant-based, vegan, has tons of micronutrients in it, and has a great balance of protein, fat, and carbs. I can't say enough about their protein powder. The other product I really want to tell you about is the Joint Health Supplement. It's called the Joint Health Plus, and that supports joint comfort and flexibility. It is clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief on the market. I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me and said they have seen crazy results from taking this product. I take it every day. My joints feel great. I'm not getting any younger. I highly recommend the product. And they were out of stock for a while because it's so popular and they just got it back in. So don't sleep on this. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you 15% off your first order. That's Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay. So I do want to get to the, um, this past year, obviously you were wanting to make the Olympic team and that didn't happen for you. Um, (laughs) I know it's awful, but like, I love, I want to hear about like you overcoming that and like where, how, you know, like we walked through the like focus shift, right. Of like, I was having these panic attacks working through that. Now you have this other big obstacle, like this was supposed to happen for you. It should have happened for you, right? How do you, how did you process that? And like, where are you now emotionally healing wise? For sure. Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, you guys should know that um, it's like funny because the minute I didn't make the team, I had my mental coach quit and told me they were very disappointed in me. What? Um, they, I, uh, I got dropped by every sponsor except two, um, that I had like, it, like literally like that's what happens when you don't make the Olympics. Even if you make team USA, even with social media following, like sometimes you have to understand that like sometimes people just want the story. Remember? And people wanted the Olympic story. They didn't get it from me. Mm. So they left. But what I had to do is I had to first just let myself be in pain. That is so important. It is so important to let yourself be in pain. Um, you guys could have licked any surface off of my entire house because it was so clean because I just like, I spent an entire week just every day, just cleaning out every drawer I ever had and just letting myself cry during the process. Like, Letting myself cry, letting myself watch TV and watch music, um, listen to music and listen to podcasts, but just like be upset. I wasn't in, I wasn't in um, fix it mode right away. And I knew that I needed to not be in fix it mode right away. I knew that this was like really sad. And there, there was part of me that had to keep telling myself, you know, so that I didn't, you know, actually hurt myself or do something drastic I had to continue to tell myself like this is temporary this is temporary this is temporary this is temporary and I knew that I knew it was temporary but it didn't feel temporary it felt like this was going to be forever but I let myself feel sad that's number one let yourself freaking be sad because life is sad sometimes things happen but life is also so happy so you just got to remember you know ow this hurt this so I would say I was like I had like the physical pain of how this hurt probably from June to August, beginning of August, maybe. And then it started, you know, to get a a little better. I would say September is when I started getting like a little bit more underneath me. But um, in terms of like healing, all all I could do was just like do my best and let myself hurt and still, you know, be a human being and like still like shower and still 
you know, do all that kind of stuff. And it's really nice to have like a good support system because I did have people, you know, checking in on me and making sure everything was good. And um, I watched about every Netflix show you could ever. (laughs) Sometimes you need to hibernate just a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, I really, I think the, the biggest thing was I went to Hawaii Um, and it was so, it was so nice to be in a new location that just like allowed you to like take in beauty and take in like life and see like, oh wow, like life is bigger than track. So I think like the next thing is take yourself, once you've let yourself, you know, feel it, I would say take yourself out of it Mm -hmm. and something beautiful that doesn't have to do a track because it would have been horrible had I done something that was really amazing, but track focused, Mm -hmm. like maybe like gone to like an incredible track competition that was like, wow, track is so fun and great. Like that would have made me really sad. Right. So I would say, get yourself away, but like in a positive way, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to Hawaii or go on a, um, and go on a, whatever, like a big vacation, but just even like, you know, getting outside, in a completely different circumstance or going and seeing family and that kind of stuff, just getting yourself out. And then, um, mine, my biggest thing, and I'm still working on it is just getting into a, like, all right, (laughs) evaluate. Okay. This is what happened last year. You had literally had ankle surgery in 2020 full reconstruction. Um, you weren't able to compete and you weren't able for an entire eight weeks before the Olympic trials. Cause you fell and you were on the bike for eight weeks straight. You did pretty good. Like now yeah. we have to take the, all of that in a package and we have to throw it away. And something I'm working with my sports psychologist, I see him again today, um, is the fact that I think that I'm starting to find a habit though of inviting obstacles in my way because I, it's it's nicer to overcome an obstacle than it is just to fail. If that makes sense. Oh, like, totally. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't medal at Worlds because I crushed my ankle. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, I didn't I didn't um, make the team because I um, wasn't able to train for eight weeks. It's like no 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 no. Now moving forward, we're gonna allow ourselves to we're gonna put ourselves in the potential to fail. No, no outs. We're not giving ourselves any outs. We're giving ourselves only success opportunities. And so that's what I'm working on now. And I'll hopefully I'll let you know when I figure out how to do it. (laughs) I love that. It's a constant process. It's a constant, it's a constant reevaluation process. I think that's so good. Um, Okay. So we're running out of time here. So we'll wrap up with end of podcast questions. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I think that there's two things professionally, you know, I am excited. I do think that eventually I could see myself being, you know, running own company. And I think that that'd be really amazing. Um, and personally, I mean, I think being a mom is going to be is something I'm really excited for. I'm the youngest of five. I have 12 nieces and nephews and I'm obsessed with all of them. So, um, I think that's going to be exciting as well. Do any of them live close to you? No, oh, no, they're, that's hard. They're all in Idaho. So, are you the last sibling without kids? Yes, I'm the, <laughs> the five, and everyone has kids. Yep. <laughs> um, what kind of company do you want to run? I think it's going to be really multifaceted. But for me, you know, at the end, hopefully, it's going to be at the beginning of Q2 or maybe the end of Q1. I'm actually coming out with. I talked about earlier. I talked about all of those tools. Um, I actually have, you know, I'm working on a program where I'm sharing every tool that I've ever learned in my 15 years of track and field from all of my sports psychologists, from my coaches from all over the world and from my own personal learnings and how I've overcome my anxieties, how I stay mentally prepared and, um, how I increase motivation when motivation doesn't seem to be anywhere near. That's so awesome. That's great. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, so my, a lot of my stuff is really like very self-helpy. I'm mm-hmm. not very, uh, I'm not really a, a fiction kind of a person. Um, but the new toughness training for sports is a really good book, um, by James E. Lure. Um, it, it's, a it's just helps with, you know, mental toughness and, 
get puts a lot of good perspectives in there. And then who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you would like to have a coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I mean, probably, um, I would say Steve Carell. I (laughs) love it. I think he is so unreal funny. Like everything he does, I just, I wish like my, I think my dream job, if I could like go back would be to be like on the set of the office, like watch, listening to everybody just like ad lib everything and just like losing my mind laughing. So good. Um, But I think like in, in everything he does, he's just so funny. And I think just like even being a fly on the wall in one of his real actual conversations would just be so hilarious. So have you seen the morning show? Yes. Isn't that crazy that he plays that character? Yes. And he kills it. He kills it. He kills it. So incredible. Um, I listened to BJ Novak on Armchair Expert podcast, and that was a really good one. Have you listened to that? Mm -mm. It was just fun to hear like kind of the behind the scenes office stuff and how BJ Novak got like, you know, he was Ryan, the temp in the office. Um, And also I learned that this is so random. BJ Novak and Jim Krasinski went to high school together. Oh, I didn't know that. What are the odds? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Aren't they like co-producers though? Um, I don't know how it, it all worked out. He explains it in the podcast, but it, it's definitely random. Like BJ was like always the theater kid in high school. Like that was like his life. Jim was not. And then like him and Jim met up at the bar were like at the same bar one night. And Jim was like, yeah, I'm getting into acting. And BJ Novak's like, of course you are like the cool kid. And like, he's going to like, you know, and then he ends up being like really one of the stars of the show. It was, it's way better when he explains it, but that's awesome. No, I love, I love the office. I've seen every episode like 18 times. Yeah. It's so, so good. Such it's like, it's one of those shows that it's like, if you just need, just need to be, just put an episode on. Oh yeah. You don't even need to listen. Just have it on in the background. Yep. It's the best. Um, okay, Shari, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? I think the biggest message honestly is to just honestly believe in yourself Don't worry about anybody else's times. Don't worry about anybody else's successes. Like think about you and like continue to believe in your success. And you can use other people's success to inspire you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should do that. But continue to believe that you can do it. I honestly think self-belief is like 90% of everything. Truly. I really do. So that's, that's like always my biggest piece of advice. And I always, you know, say when people are like, what do I do if I'm feeling doubtful? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of like exercises you can do, but like the overall goal of your life is to just like truly believe in yourself. Like everybody just like take a second and just internalize you and what your potential is, not what anybody else's potential is, not what you're, you want your potential to be, but what your actual true potential is. And think like, are you somebody who reaches your potential? And I think every single person listening would be like, yeah, I've reached my own potential, of course. Well, now go off of that and believe that you can reach your potential. Write the email, do the workout, do -hmm. whatever you like are thinking about doing. Go do it. Yep. You got it. Oh, thank you so much, Shari. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Shari, for sharing your story. You are an inspiration. Friends, if you aren't already following Shari, you can find her underscore Shari Hawkins on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as well. I am lindsayhine626 over there. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. So go give Sandy Boy Productions a follow as well and check out our new website, sandyboyproductions.com. Um, I do have a podcast for parents if you are a parent or, you know, you're just interested in that kind of stuff. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? You know, something I say all the time, every day. And uh, that's why we named it that because it's very loud in my home. And we talk to everyday parents as well as experts. A lot of great conversations. Really have some episodes coming out that I'm really excited about and would love to share with you over there. So that's called, again, Why Is Everyone Yelling? Hey, if you're not a parent, but you like this show and you know a parent that might like that show, 
send them over. Let them know about it. That would be a huge help because I'm trying to grow that show just like this show. Um, So anyway, thanks for being here. We have some great guests coming on the show. Molly Grable, Steve Magnus, Hayden Hawks, Robbie Andrews. Um, And then we also have a Patreon episode coming up soon with Sarah Canny. So those community feel type episodes on Patreon are coming back around. Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine for those. You get a monthly episode with my husband Glenn and I. And then we're coming back around to friend, community, and past guest episodes once a month over there as well. Uh, All right, friends. Well, have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.